on the live stream, I want to welcome you. We just just saying happy birthday to my wife. It's her birthday today. I asked her if she wanted to take a quick flight up to New York for dinner, and she said, I'd rather go to Bible study. So, <laughs> yeah, be careful, there's a place for liars. Uh, well, it's so glad to see everyone here tonight. Thank you for coming. It's, um, it's going to be a great study tonight as we conclude Ruth, the book of Ruth. It's been just a great, wonderful study with so many truths and, um, and some interesting happenings. And in fact, in this particular chapter, it's almost like where you would go to a commercial break or they would end the season and come back. For, you had to wait for the next season for this particular uh, text. But uh, again, I just want to welcome everyone here tonight. We came from uh, several people that were here came from, a, uh, we had a wonderful celebration life today for uh, Brother Preacher Ken. And it was just amazing and warm and, and it was, there was tons of people there. And it was just so neat to see what believers do at a funeral. And it was literally a celebration. It was just amazing, wasn't it? And it was just, you know, and, and, and so, and one. Yes. It was, it, was, it was a give and take, you know. It was almost like a, it was just a great service. And so one of the guys that spoke said, you know, don't worry about, don't worry about Ken. He's not thinking about us right now. And certainly not. He's, he's in glory. And so I thought that was really, really nice to see that. Um, is it warm in here or is it me? It's a little warm. Um, well, is it, I always like to start with prayer, obviously to pray that the Spirit illuminates this text for us, and I'd like to open it up, and I don't have a pen right now, but is, if there's any prayer requests that we could pray for, uh, I'd like to open it up if anybody has anything we can pray for. Obviously, Pam, as she begins to navigate uh, new, new territory, and oh, thank you. And oh, and also Amy Reeves, that's right. Dave and Amy Reeves are part of our fellowship, and, and Amy lost her father this past week. And um, uh, so that's, those are two people that are beginning to have to do life without loved ones. And I think we need to keep both Amy Reeves and, uh, and obviously Pam Brooks in our prayers. Anything else? Yes, thank you. Um, Richard, Erlene's husband is not feeling well. His blood pressure was a little bit... Uh, where it was shouldn't have been today, and so he just, uh, she said, stay home. <laughs> oh, and her little doggy. What's the dog's name? Buddy. Buddy. Pray for. You know, it's difficult with pets. A lot of people that don't have pets may not understand, but we have a a 19 year old cat, 18, and 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 boy, that it can we can really get close to our animals. You know, I, and I would only hope by the grace of God that perhaps those animals would be someday with us in heaven. I can imagine the Lord would allow that, but uh, but let's be in prayer for Arlene, for both her pet and her her other pet. You know, <laughs> your your arm candy. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm digressing. I, yes, that's you, Richard. I'm digressing. Let's let's go. What? Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> well, let's go ahead and, and lift uh, lift this up to the Lord in a prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for uh, bringing everyone here together again tonight, Lord. We, we, uh, we love to celebrate uh, uh, different things, Father, but one of the most important things, Lord, is reading your word and studying your word so that we may know more about you, so that our lives can be more adapted to Christ, Lord. And, and, and this beautiful story tonight as we conclude this chapter, Lord, just uh, 
reveal the things to us and speak to us through your Holy Spirit, the things that uh, are in this uh, particular passage, Lord, that we can take away and, and can help uh, bolster our Christian walk, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Well, obviously we're in chapter 4 um, of the book of Ruth, and what I'd like to do is simply review a little bit just to kind of bring us to the point of where we are. I don't know that everyone was here last week, and so what I want to do is, is draw your attention um, perhaps to uh, chapter 3 of verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 3 of Ruth, and I'll just kind of real briefly uh, skim through this, some of the things I have highlighted in chapter 3. Um, well, first of all, up in, up in chapter 3, you can see Naomi saying, hey, why don't you get yourself cleaned up now that we know who Boaz is and go down to the, the threshing floor where they're winnowing grain and, and just, you know, put on some makeup, you know, get a little fancy, put on some, anoint yourself basically, and uh, let's see what happens. And she does all this and it, they look down at midnight, she, she, uh, she had sort of slipped her feet under the covers and said, will you take me under your wings? And that was her way of saying, marry me. You know, and so this is it was a perfect setting, and and so as we kind of continue on through there, I'm just skimming here. Yeah, well, you know, it's fun. It, it seems like it would be. I mean, at the time, it, what, we, what we mentioned is that it would have been more risque for Boaz of his age to approach her, and so the kinsman redeemer, the Leverite marriage, actually s stated that it was the woman who would approach the man in this particular situation. Very interesting, but there was nothing immoral about it. There was nothing, uh, you know, scary about it. It was simply just what was done. And that evening was a pure evening. She just simply stayed, and he 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 said, "Settle down. Well, now that I know who you are, and and let's wait till morning. We'll talk, and and if if I can redeem you, I certainly will." So it was his way of saying, "Yes," so to speak. And so as we continue through. Um, in fact, he says, and this is interesting, if you look on in chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 3, 13, it says, remain tonight, this is Boaz speaking, and in the morning, if, oh, okay, this is the twist in the story. Remember he said there's someone closer related, and so if, he, if he'll redeem you, uh, good, let him do it. So he's defaulting. Earlene, last week, I think it was, she said he was selfless. That was one of Boaz's qualities. He was selfless. Uh, so, but he says, uh, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, and that little statement there, as the Lord lives, that was a really serious way of saying, I will do this. As the Lord lives was a, a Jewish uh, tradition. And when they would say, say that, it really meant they were going to do and they had to stick with what they were going to do. But he says, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. In other words, settle in and be quiet. And so, it comes to the thing where uh, she lay at his feet, um, and then she he sent her home to Naomi, um, her her mother-in-law, and uh, with a, with a wonderful gift, which was which was kind of neat. And uh, so, what I'd like to do tonight is is as we pick up in chapter four, the the way we're going to go about this evening's Bible study, there's so much rich uh, application. At the end, I want, to, I want to really soak in on that. So what I'd like to do is just kind of go verse by verse. It's a rather short chapter in, through the narrative. And I may stop here and there to make some points, but as we get toward the end, that's where the, the, the fun begins. And there's several things I'd like to point out. Sometimes in a Bible study, you'll have 
You have a, a, a major theme, which is the overall arching theme of the, of the book, and then you'll have, or the passage, and then you'll have sub-themes, things that are, that are noteworthy that are to apply to our lives. Remember I said last week or the week before, we don't want to try to put something into here that's not here. We want to draw out from this passage and this text what the Lord is saying, not what I'm saying, not my opinion, as Greg always says. So what I'd like to do is go through the, the chapter 4 here, and we're going to read it more like a narrative, just almost like a story, because this is sort of as how it presents. And then I'll stop, and then we'll get into some of the sub-themes and then the major theme, and that's going to wrap up the evening for, for us, and this is, wraps up the book. And so I just want to give you an idea of how we're going to fly over this chapter. So look at verse 18 of chapter 3. And Naomi says, she replied, wait, my daughter, because she wasn't, Ruth at this point wasn't quite sure what would happen. But she said, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not, that's Boaz, will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And that's where we left off. You know, so that, now he had to wait a week, just like on TV. And so now we pick up where Boaz literally that day, because remember she came in, in the evening, they were winnowing in the afternoon. She came in, in, the, in the, late in the evening, and around midnight he discovered her and said, who are you? The next day, she, he scurried her out, sent her home with grain. This is that day. So it's right consecutively happening. So let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, now Boaz had gone up. Let me pause right there just to give you some context. Typically, uh, the, the threshing floors were on a lower region. So that's why it says has gone up to the gate. It's a, it's a literal movement up a hill to the gate. And that's just to let you know what that was. Now the gate, it says the gate. What does that mean? Is that just a gate, a big gate? Is it the gate of the city? Is it a gate that is represented somewhere in the middle of the city? Well, what it was is it sometimes was the city gate and sometimes it was a, a representative area called the gate. But whatever it was, it was where all the business was conducted. So when they went to the gate, they would do business dealings, real estate dealings, uh, anything political is where they gathered, probably like our courthouse. So sometimes our courthouse would coincide with the entrance of the city, but other times it was just an area where that's where they would do business. So when it says the gate, that's what it was. And that you'll see this mentioned actually back in Deut uh, Deuteronomy. You don't have to turn there, but in uh, verse 20, chapter 25, verse 7, and we was talking about Leverite marriage. I talked about this last week. And it says, And if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate. So just to let you know, just to give you a little bit of piece of understanding, the gate is where people conducted business back in those Israel time, Israeli times. So I think I got, I didn't even finish chapter, verse 1 here. I better, <laughs> right, let me slow down a bit. Uh, and sat, and he, so he went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, here comes the Redeemer. This is the guy that is next in line. This is not Boaz. This is the one that Boaz is deferring to. So behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And Boaz took 10 men of the elders. This was, and let me pause right there, 10 men were what was what excuse me what was required for a particular type of transaction, especially one of this nature of a Leverite marriage. And so that it needed that quorum, so to speak. 
So 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So he kind of, so Boaz, as you can picture, he's at this place of transaction, there's probably stone seating, and he sits, sits this guy down who's next in line to, to marry Ruth, and then he sits down the, the 10 elders who are going to observe this process. And so that's just to give you a mental picture of what's happening. Sit down here. So they sat down. And then he said to the Redeemer, which was the one next in line, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Right? So I thought I would tell, it, tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here, all the guys that were represented, and in the presence of the elders, which means there were more than just the elders there. There were elders, and then there were like a jury almost, and then there were witnesses. Other people were, maybe they had gathered around to watch the business proceedings, like people go to the county commission uh, just so they can listen to things. So buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I will come after you. So what he's basically saying is, here's your opportunity, redeem this land, all this land. And, and basically the land that he was, he referred to this land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So at this point, if you can picture this, this guy is, is here, and, and, and you've got your, your, your people that are watching, the elders, and then you've got people starting to gather around as witnesses. And at this point, it's simply a business transaction. It's the land of Elimelech. And it was his land, and it was also uh, uh, Ruth's husband who had died, his land, and then the other, her brother-in-law's land. So there were actually three parcels of land that were up for grabs here. So that's really, at this point, all we really know. But he said, let's see, where we, verse 4. So I thought I would tell you of it. Say, buy in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that so I know, and then I will redeem it. And then he said, I will redeem it. So the guy's like, yeah, I'll do it. Now, this is the part right here. Where you're gonna have, where you're gonna have to wait till next season almost. But this, you feel the tension of this. I'm like, wait a minute, this whole story, I, I thought I knew this story, but this guy's saying, yeah, I'll do it. Well, then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead. And his inheritance. Well, let me pause right there. Let's look a little closer at this. I don't. I want you. I just want you to notice. Again, it says Ruth the Moabite. The author of this book didn't just say Ruth all the time. Sometimes it did say Ruth, but oftentimes it said Ruth the Moabite, and it was almost as if they were. The author was, and I'm not just making this up. I looked at several commentaries on this, but it was a. It was a label. Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite. In other words, this is the girl that was from the cursed nation. This is the girl that was from the cursed nation. And they kept saying that and using this in this particular, in certain areas of this passage. And I find it, find it interesting because it was almost like it was like reiterated one more time. You know, like, here's all the land you can buy if you're wanting to, willing to buy this back, probably at a better price than what it's worth. However, you need to take Ruth the Moabite. It wasn't just Ruth. It's almost not a derogatory, but it was like, in a way, it kind of was. 
because these people were cursed, the Moabites. And so Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead. So he said basically, by the way, you get the property, but also Ruth comes with it. You have to take her, exactly. Well, it's kind of weird. But I'm not going to read too much into that because I'm thinking maybe that was just on him, the way he was just kind of wording it. He's like, however, and I gotcha, you know, and maybe you won't want to do this, but I don't want to put something that's not here. But listen, look at, look at verse 6. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it myself or for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, and that's exactly right. Once, once he, he was made aware of that, and here's why. It's not necessarily because he's like, I don't want Naomi because she's a Moabite. Could have been, might not be, but most of, the, most of the scholars seem to say that this guy already had children and more than likely had inheritance set up and properties, and throwing her into the mix, even with the property that was coming, would throw off basically the inheritance of everybody. So his kids would have to split whatever with this new one. And so it really threw off the dynamics of inheritance financially. That's conjecture, maybe. You know, I mean, Boaz might have known that. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been, it might have been, you know, the text doesn't say that, but I'm, some of the, see, it's those little things like that that make you wonder, why did he do that? Did he say this to manipulate the converse? I don't know exactly what happened, but he knew he had to offer it to her, to, to this other redeemer first, because he was next in line. But knowing that the guy may not take, I don't know, I don't know that. All we know is what's here, but it's often interesting, and I bet, I actually was looking, um, the first week I, I, I looked at this chapter, I, I just went on YouTube because it, the, the story is so famous. And there's several movies, and I haven't watched them, but I, has anyone ever seen a, a, a movie on Ruth? See, so, so maybe, maybe, I mean, there's a little liberty taken, I'm sure. Even in the, the Chosen series, there's a little bit of, you know, it's just things that might happen the way Jesus might have presented himself at a wedding, you know. And, and so, I don't know, who knows? It, it could have been that. Um, but I just found it interesting so that basically Boaz may have known that, that it would impair his inheritance. What we do know from the end of the story, because we're not there yet, but we know that Boaz loved Ruth. But he wanted to do the right thing based on what the Lord said in Love Right Marriage. And so I just found that was, that was pretty pure. Um, and that just goes right along with the way Boaz was. So basically he says, I cannot redeem it. Verse 7. Now, this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, the Redeemer drew off his sandal. And then Boaz said to the elders who were sitting here and all the people witnessing this, you are witnesses to this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off 
from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. And we've, we've, we saw that before. If I go back to Deuteronomy, it says the same thing. That was Leverite marriage. And so he acquired uh, Ruth. And I, I know it sounds, and I, I was reading this, I'm thinking, that sounds kind of like, you know, acquiring a wife and say, you know, I'll give you 80 camels for this wife. And it's, it, it's it, um, th but they were really going by just the customs of that day, which are, seem foreign to us. Um, but this is truly, though, a love story. And, and I bet he was just shaking in his shoes when the guy said no. Maybe he knew he would say no, maybe he didn't, but it was exciting to see that. So the other, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, so that the name of the dead may not be cut off. So what that simply means is that the lineage will go forward. The lineage will go forward. That was very important in Hebrew tradition. Uh, so your sentence said, the pin and all the people who are at the gates, this is, now this is, I'm sure a crowd had gathered at this point, all the people at the gate, and the elders said, we are witnesses. This is how it was done. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah. Now, Rachel and Leah were back in the early Israel times, um, there were wives of Jacob who bore most of the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's how that, that was, the Israelites were created, so to speak. Um, so he, he gives that, they give that analogy, who together built up the house of Israel. There it is right there. May you act worthily in Ephrathah, Ephrathah, yeah, and be renowned in Bethlehem. I think Ephrathah, I think that was another name for Bethlehem, the earlier name for Bethlehem. Uh, may, your house, may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So it, they were affirmed by the elders. They were affirmed by all of the people there. That was recognized. It was uh, stamped and sealed. And it was an exciting event. They were confirmed by, the, by tradition that we know as scripture, right? Exactly. Right. So they were doing things. Yes. So there are several confirmations in this. Now, obviously, God ordained all of this, and He directed all this, as we saw throughout this whole thing. But um, uh, they were they were affirmed by so many things, even things beyond that. That's right. So verse thirteen, this is the part where it says Ruth, Ruth and Boaz married. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, I love this part right here. Then the women, these must be, I don't know what women these are, just all the ones that gather around when, you, when you're going to have a kid or when you're thinking about having a baby or you have a baby. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may the, and this is to Naomi now, not Ruth. And may his name... Be renowned in Israel. Now, notice this right here in verse 15. It says, he shall be, he is referring to Obed. Obed is, is Ruth's son-to-be. And Obed, they're talking about him right now. And listen, it says, he shall be to you a restorer of life. So this little grandchild is going to restore her life and a nourisher of your old age. This, this grandchild will be someone that will take care of her as she, as she ages. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more than seven sons who, ha who has given birth to him. And so the, the seven sons part, I found that was kind of neat. Seven sons was refers to the perfect offspring. 
the, the perfect amount of offspring would be seven sons. This is even better. Ruth was even better than that. Okay, and I thought that was really that was really neat there. Then Naomi took the child. Now let me back up here one second. I, I want you to notice this this blessing though. To the women said to Naomi, this was a blessing over her, talking about the Lord, which really brings us to the first sub theme of this entire book. And I want you to look at a few passages with me. I want you to, I want you to look at the three, what, what it is, if you're taking notes, I don't really have a title for the first sub-theme, but it's really all about, um, it's not all about Boaz and Ruth, it's about Naomi. There's, a, there's a, an underlying, underrunning current, a, a text that you can't see, or that you can see, but it's not the most obvious thing, but Naomi's life and, and her her ups and downs are really something to be looked at through here. So if you could go back to chapter 1, verse 20, we want to look at the three, three, three stages of where she was. So one, chapter 1, verse 20, remember this? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Now, it's hard to blame her for feeling that way. She lost her husband and her two sons within a very short period of time. But I just want you to notice how low she was. To change her name to bitter from pleasant uh, is, is, is pretty powerful, but it's kind of, you know, you can see why she did it. So that's where she was at the beginning. Now jump up to 2.20, chapter 2, verse 20. This is where things begin. the Lord begins to turn things for her. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not... So now you see through this, through the passages, Naomi starts in a very low, low place. And then as things begin to progress and things to be, the Lord begins to open doors, she, she, she becomes a little different. Her countenance changes. She's like, there is hope. And I always wonder in this passage if she would have thought, I, I trusted the Lord, should I have trusted Him more? When things are going on in our lives that we really just can't see, and I, I can't imagine Naomi when all this happened, knowing, being able to even imagine that her great-grandchild or great-great-grandchild would be the King David. How could she even possibly be able to imagine that? All she knew is in this first part of the passage, her husband had died, her two sons had died, you know, curse God and, and die. I mean, basically, it's like Job almost, a horrible thing. But she persisted. She continued, you can see through the passages though, she begins to say, I love this, whose kindness uh, is, has not forsaken the living or the dead. And then we turn over to 414, where we just were. This basic blessing that comes over her and, and being affirmed by the women. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. So even Naomi had a redeemer. And it's just a, I think the application is, 
for this part, part of the passage is that in every situation, as, as difficult as it can be, you may not understand it. It may be hard. I know some of you are currently going through things. There are people that are sick. There's people that are facing medical conditions, uh, people that were just diagnosed with your friend with Alzheimer's, you know, just, just some terrible things. We don't know what the Lord has for us, but we do know that all things work together for good. Remember that passage? Is that 828? I want to read something to you. I, I found, I'm, I've been doing a study in Romans and I'm, literally had just gone through these past couple things. So in 828, Romans 828, it says, We know that all things for those who love God, this is ESV, all things work together for good. And for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, a lot of people just have that verse, they can lock and load, they can tell you that verse, and sometimes they run away with it. But if you back up a little bit, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. Verse 26 of Romans 8 says, Likewise, this whole, in fact, the whole chapter is on the Spirit. It's beautiful. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. I bet that's where Naomi was. I bet that's where a lot of people are. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Do you know that the Spirit prays for us constantly? John, Mac not, uh, John Piper talked about things that God's doing in your life, the Spirit intervening for us and praying for us, Christ praying for us. He said there's probably a thousand things that God is doing for you right now in your life, and you're aware of two. You're aware of two. If we could see and pull back that veil and see all the things that are, the things that are, even as we drove here tonight, you know, the things that God maybe prevented, or that's why in my, I, I'm a terrible driver. My wife can attest to that. I, 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 to the point where I can't put a Vera Bible Fellowship sticker on my car yet. <laughs> I'm, just being, I'm just being honest. I'm not, <laughs> can I get a witness? But I, but sometimes if I'm in a long line or if I'm in traffic that just will not avail, I think maybe the Lord's preventing me from getting to a spot where I shouldn't be in my car. And yet, we don't know. We don't know. But it says here that the, that, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That means deep feelings. It's not just unrandom, weird noises. It's the, the Holy Spirit is a person who feels deeply for us, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. There's the whole thing. That's the whole picture right there. So while we can understand where Naomi was, not being able to see ahead, she still stuck with the Lord. She still kept her gaze fixed on Christ. We all have these moments, though, where not everything's going to be happy and pleasant, but we do need to know that in these situations, the Holy Spirit's praying for us. Christ is interceding for us, and we need to kind of dwell on that and think on that. And sometimes it's really, we need these reminders to see that. So, again, this almost, this, this, this whole situation with Naomi really does also lead to 
the second point, which is simply that we've seen in this God's hand of providence. Remember, the, and Naomi happened to go to a certain field, Boaz's field, and, uh, and Boaz, I'm sorry, excuse me, Ruth happened to go to a certain field, thank you. Um, and then and Boaz happened to show up at that field. And all these things really point to God's, you see his hand working through this whole thing nonstop. And things that you're like, oh, wow, that happened. That was neat. That was kind of cool. And, but it's all orchestrated by the Lord. The fact that the kinsman redeemer, the, the one that was next in line, didn't want to do it or couldn't do it, or we don't know if he knew or not, but he didn't. And God knew that. And, but Boaz may not have known that. He might have known that. I don't know. But it simply worked out just beautifully. I mean, just, it's incredible. Uh, to the point where we, we, we continue here. Let's pick it up. Where were we? I think verse 17. No, let's go to 16. 16. Then Naomi took the child, this grandchild, and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. It's Ruth. We know it's Ruth. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. That's crazy. That's interesting. A Moabite woman, a cursed woman, giving her grandchild was David, King David, who we know the lineage went to who? Christ? Wow. That's amazing. The genealogy of David, verse nine, verse 18. Now these are the generations to Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered, fathered uh, Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. That's amazing. That's really amazing. King David. King David, this little baby Obed. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of mind-boggling. So you wonder what the story of Ruth is about. That's one of the big deals right there. That's a big deal. It's not the full theme yet. We're not even there yet. But to know that this Moabite woman who was from a cursed nation somehow happened into the, wandered into the field of a redeemer Boaz, and the two of them had a child who would later give birth to another child who would give birth to David, King David. That's crazy. That's just, I love the way that, that pans out. This is, it's hard to wrap our heads around that. So the overall theme is kind of how I want to, the main point of this is kind of where we're going on this. Um, well, you find that sometimes in Scripture, in the Old Testament, they say it's a shadow of the, of the reality of the New Testament. So Christ came. So it was a, Christ was a shadow in the Old Testament, and then he came in the New Covenant, the New Testament. But oftentimes, well, I, talked to, I think it was week one or two, we talked about types, T-Y-P-E. And Christ in the redemption story is the, is the antitype. The type is, is, is this particular story here. It's a shadow of what was to come, so to speak. Uh, an example, a metaphor in a way, even though it really happened. And so I love the, I don't know who talked about this, but if you could imagine like a, a, a big mansion room with just ornate chairs and 
furniture and sculptures and carpets and window dressings in this most beautiful setting you could ever imagine. But as you were in this room, there was only one little candle lit, and it was at night, it was dark. And you, all you could really see is maybe the table and perhaps the little, little coaster, and maybe, maybe a small shadow of a sculpture behind it. That's this story here. And then imagine that same room, fully ornate, in the middle of the daytime with all the blinds open and everything comes into light. And you can see all the art on the walls and the beautiful furniture and the paintings and the details and the, all the plaster and molding in this gorgeous place. That's the image. You go from a dimly lit to this full, beautiful setting. And so the dimly lit is this story of Ruth and Boaz, the Redeemer. And then Christ and his bride is the full picture. We see everything. And it's amazing. And some of the comparisons... Uh, the analogies that, that go along with this passage are beautiful. Let me give you a few. And if you're writing them down, you can write these down. Uh, but these are sort of just analogies, so to speak. Um, so the first one is uh, under a curse. Under a curse. Ruth the Moabite was under a curse. The Moabite nation was cursed. And so the parallel to that is us. We live under a curse from the, the, the original sin. Um, we are slaves to sin. It says in the, in the scriptures, none is righteous, no, not one. And that doesn't mean some people are. That means no one's righteous. We live under the curse. And so that's one parallel that obviously um, we have been redeemed out from under this curse, but there was a curse of Ruth, she was a Moabite, and it kept saying that through there. It was almost like they were saying, yeah, Ruth, the cursed one, you know. But the parallel is we are under a curse as well. So I just want you to kind of give you some analogy here so you, so you get a fuller understanding of, of the word redeemer and redemption. Second one is bought with a price. Bought with a price. Ruth was purchased with likely silver or maybe gold. She came along, she was a, a, a part of the package, so to speak. She was bought with a price. How were we bought? The blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. That was the purchase price. We were without a family, without a family. Ruth was widowed. She was... A Moabite, Moabitess, she had Moabitess, uh, but she was without family. She had Naomi, her mother-in-law, but she was really out there on her own. She had nothing. Um, we know what happened with that, though. She was brought into a wonderful family. Uh, we were without a family, but we were adopted. Hebrews talks about the adoption, and we have a father that loves us, to, who even disciplines us. And he even says in Hebrews that if he didn't discipline us, then we really wouldn't be his children. How great that is that he actually does. So we are adopted into his family. So the adoption part in there. So she was without a family. We were without a family. Now we're sons and daughters of the king. Ruth had no hope of inheritance. That's the fourth one. No hope of inheritance. 
You know, no, as a matter of fact, nor did Naomi. She was just a, a woman that had really nothing. Um, Ruth regained, and Naomi regained all that was owed. Naomi's husband's land, Elimelech's, and the two brothers, they received all that back. Our inheritance is a vast, unending inheritance. We have the greatest inheritance. We are heirs with Christ. That's amazing. So you see all these parallels that you see throughout the story uh, that are just uh, amazing. I think it's really, as I sat through the study and, and really kind of dug into it, I tried to really think about what this meant, that we need to understand that sometimes we, we picture Christ dying on the cross and forgiving our sins and no more wrath, and that's great. But the redemption story that we see here in Ruth is so powerful and strong in what Christ did. We were bought. The, 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 what Christ did on the cross bought us it with a price. He, is, he redeemed us. He, he, brought, he bought us back from the edge of darkness. We were all, we're all bound for hell. But Christ died on the cross. Our sins were forgiven. Wrath of God was abated. We were restored to the original relationship. We were redeemed. We were bought back with a price. There's actually a transaction that happened there. And I just think it's, the more you think about it, you know, sometimes you think of things and you're like, and then you just wake up the next day and you're like, that really wasn't that great of a thought, you know. But, but, but as, I, as I put my head on my pillow several nights this past week, I thought, good grief, we, we, we were bought. Like the, the, the scripture is replete with us talking about redemption and redeemer. He went to the cross and bought us. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to Christ. He owns us. I mean, there's, it, if that doesn't light your fire, I don't know what would. You know, Pastor Greg said, yeah, wet wood or something, right? So I just think that's just, the, that is the overall theme of the story, is that we were, it's a reflection, not even a reflection, it's just a, it's an analogy of the most beautiful redemption ever in history. Nothing in mankind, nothing in history has ever been as good as this, is the redemption story. We were bought with a price, bought with his blood. I just, and it may not hit you now, but think about that. As you, the, our Redeemer, what he did, the, the actual, actual act of redeeming and buying someone. Um, you get excited? <laughs> Let me read a few things for you. You don't have to turn there. But as, as, I, as I grappled with and, and thought about things, and I know we, I, we've probably heard this since we're in Sunday school class, that he's our great Redeemer. We sing, my Redeemer lives. But do we just sing it? Like, okay, I get it. Do we know what redemption really is? And I think this whole story is a, is, a, is a neat picture of what Christ did. And it gives us some kind of bearing. Just listen to this, Romans. Sometimes these passages kind of jumped out at me a little bit differently after doing this study. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's the transaction, the redemption in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing, bring to nothing things that are, 
so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became us to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. There's the redemption again. I'm just going to keep reading scriptures because it's amazing. <laughs> Galatians says, in the same way we were also, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. That's us in a fallen state, not bought yet. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to get back, to buy back those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There's the family that we've become part of. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. There's our inheritance. It's all right there. That's Paul talking Galatians. Ephesians says, in him we have redemption. Redemption, that's the word, redemption, redeem. Through the blood, his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Just a couple more. Hebrews 9.11 says, But when Christ appears as, appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood thus securing, what? An eternal redemption. Now, there's the, there's the neat thing about the inheritance we have. It's not just here. It's eternal. Our redemption is eternal. And it says it right there in the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, Knowing that you were ransomed, ransomed, bought with a price, knowing that God redeemed you with a price from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, that's what Boaz bought with, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The overall theme, if you haven't caught it yet, of Ruth is redemption, the kinsman, the great kinsman redeemer. And we, we, we look back to the past in this passage. We look back to Deuteronomy of how this was supposed to occur based on Mosaic law and Leverite marriage. And we saw it enacted in Ruth as, as, as I was talking with Pastor Brenton today uh, at the funeral, in fact, and he said, you know, and that the, the, the Israelites, the nation, they, they laid out scriptures in a certain way. So there was the, the fall. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but there was a fall. And then there was, uh, you know, something occurred where man knew that he couldn't live up to the law that was created. And then there were the judges. And then there were the prophets. But you can see a gentle progression of the Lord beginning to let up a little bit 
and sh there was more grace shown. And the fact that we see this passage in, in Ruth, so where we go from the way far back, we see the story, but then the story really is just pointing us ahead to the Ford, to, to the Redeemer, and to who we have as, as, as our Redeemer. Um, I just think it's a neat story. Um, it's just try to think about that this week as you kind of move forward and, and, and as you, if you hear a song that has the word redeemer or redemption in it, really know that from this story, really what that means. It might give you a better understanding and picture of what a, a, we were bought, purchased, not with silver and gold, but with blood. And we're now heirs to Christ. We're adopted as sons. We have all these things. We've, we're not under a curse anymore. We're bought with a price, the blood of Christ. We're, we now have a full family. We're sons and daughters of, of the Lord. We have inheritance, heirs of Christ. So, beautiful book. Um, thanks for sticking with it. It's just a wonderful thing. One second. I, I know that Pastor Greg is going to be starting the book of Esther, I believe. That's exciting. It's coming up. Um, did you have something? Early, Maureen? Yeah. Yes. 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 That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Israel needed redemption. And how did it occur through this uneven redemption marriage story, you know, so that the lineage could, could carry on? Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, think, I think just in general, one observation is just, you know, it wouldn't be the, my first choice to study some of these books. But when we study them, the books of the Old Testament, it just, everything points forward. It all points to Christ. It all points to where Israel was going, like you were saying. And the redemption story is for really for everybody. Boaz was redeemed. He was a redeemer, but his lineage was redeemed. So I just, it's just a very unique book, and I'm just excited. Thank you guys for being here. Let me close in prayer, and if you have any questions, we can talk about those after. Father God, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. Lord, we just thank you for um, just your grace. Thank you for being our redeemer. Lord, it's, it's just sometimes so difficult to wrap our heads around really what you've done, what you did, what you continue to do, Lord. But let us dwell on that, the, the, the redemption story and what, what was sacrificed and, and how we were purchased and whose we are now. Let us always remember that, Father. Go with us tonight. Travel with us. Lord, keep us safe as we travel back to our homes and bring us together safely on Sunday. In your name we pray. Amen.